Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to the MLB Daily Podcast. I'm Brandon Karam. Alongside me is Belly Up Sports, Boston Red Sox beat writer, MLB beat writer, whatever you want to call him, LJ LaFiora. And we are a part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. We are what they aren't. Uh, LJ, how, how are we doing tonight? We're doing pretty good. We're ready to talk through this very exciting slate we've got here this fine evening a couple games that you know they weren't down to the wire but some guys put up some crooked numbers tonight so i'm excited to see how this goes yeah later on in the show we're going to be doing our american league uh award predictions uh we're gonna go through MVP Cy Young and reliever of the year uh, for the American League tonight after we finish the game recaps. Uh, just talk through some awards at this point in the season, see where uh, we think those particular awards stand. But uh, let's get into the games. Uh, I have the first one, and that is the Mets and the Orioles. Top one, Pete Alonso, two-run bomb to – put the Mets out early, but uh, it was all downhill from there. Baltimore scores 10 unanswered from that point through the eighth. Uh, big, big hits from 
Pavleka, Cedric Mullins, and uh, Pavleka again. That's three RBI doubles in there. Uh, we had a Michael Franco home run, Anthony Santander home run, and then also RBI hits from Trey Mancini and Ryan Mountcastle. It would be 10-2 to two after eight innings. Top nine, Pete Alonzo goes yard uh, for a second time tonight, uh, but he was the only thing that the Mets offense had going for them tonight, and they dropped this one 10-3. The win to Bruce Zimmerman. Uh, now four and three on the year, five innings, two hits, two runs, seven strikeouts. The loss goes to David Peterson, now one and five on the year. Had that one really good start, but has been struggling ever since. Uh, two and two thirds, eight hits, four runs, four strikeouts uh, for him. Let's move into this Dodgers-Pirates game. Scoring would not start until the top of the fifth, where we got RBI hits. From A.J. Pollock, Mookie Betts, and Max Muncy to open up a 3-0 Dodger lead. This would extend to in the top of the sixth with a Chris Taylor home run. And all of a sudden, this is a 5-0 ball game. A le- two late rallies here in the eighth and ninth brought the Pirates a little closer. First, Adam Frazier doubles in the eighth to drive in one run. Then in the ninth, we get home runs by both Brian Reynolds and Michael Perez make this a 5-3 game, but by far the play of this game is by Key Brian Hayes, rookie prospect and third baseman for the Pittsburgh Pirates, hits a home run and then forgets to touch first base, gets called out because of it. Brandon, is this one of the most egregious rookie mistakes you could ever ask for? It's one of the worst things you could possibly do. I mean... Think about how hard it is to hit a home run now in the MLB. Uh, you know, so many guys, their entire game revolves around it. And when you're, if you're going to hit a home run, like, you, you got to touch first base. I mean, how do you miss first? It, it's not like you, like, it's the first base. Like, I just, I, I can't wrap my head around what's going through your head. It's literally the first thing you're first. supposed to touch. Yeah, like it's it sounds so stupid to say that, but it's it's exactly true. Like it's the first base that you touch. I just don't I can't comprehend how you could possibly miss the base, especially someone who is so accustomed with being on a baseball field and running the bases. Yeah, exactly. Um the only egregious base missing play that comes to mind is what was that 70s or 80s I can't remember who it was but it's a pretty famous one where he like misses second base like three times on the tag up the uh, the Giants guy yeah who was it uh, so like that was mid that was like early 2000s uh Ruben Rivera maybe maybe Ruben Rivera I think that he uh that was him Regardless, I mean, I'm pretty sure anyone who yeah, knows baseball uh, has seen this play. 2003, he, yeah. Yeah, he goes, starts running, but then realizes he didn't tag up. So he goes back to the base, misses the bag, has to go back to the to grab the bag, and then goes and tries to still take third from there and barely gets in there. The ball skeets away. It was a disaster. However, like, it, it makes that makes more sense because of, like, having to go back and forth so much. But – when you're running the bases, like linear, linear 
running the bases from the batter's box, it's the same path over and over again. You're either going straight through that first base bag or the home run trot you always have always goes at the exact same angle. Like, I mean, realistically, you always make the same exact shape when you're running the bases. And for most guys, hitting those bags are like some of the biggest moments, like the moments of emphasis in their home run trot. So it just seems like every sign is pointing to this being an easy thing to do. Yeah, you know, and especially now that we see players in their home run trots, you know, getting more uh, creative. I mean, we see both Ronald Acuna and uh, Fernando Tatis. I think Acuna does like a Euro step thing prior to getting the third base. Like he takes a sidestep and then Tatis like does a thing where he stops prior to getting the third and then takes a step backwards and then keeps running just like little hitches in their steps. Like obviously like just swagger, whatever you want to call it uh, that they're doing, but you know, clearly intentional. And it's just, just because they just have to run around the bases and just touch them with their feet. I mean, that's just, I don't know. A key Brian Hayes is certainly this is going to be something where if he ends up becoming a future all-star or whatever, they're going to play this clip and it's going to be like the, like the Jose Canseco ball off the head that goes over Mm -hmm. the fence. Like, you know, Oh, you remember that time when key Brian Hayes forgot to touch first base Uh, LJ, you know, I think something interesting is that you can, you can bet every day on uh, will a game have a run scored in the first inning. So the people who bet on no run in the first inning for this Pirates-Dodgers game were probably so frustrated when they see the ball go over the fence only to then have to sit there and realize, oh, there actually was no run. Uh, I just got uh, completely frustrated for absolutely no reason. And, and you know, on the other side, you feel so cheated by Key Brian Hayes, especially depending know, on how much money you put on that. I think part of his home run, what happened was he, it wasn't a no doubt home run and it just like scraped the wall and then it fell, it fell back onto the field. And I think that um, he thought that it might've hit the top of the wall. So he started to run more, but then realized that it didn't and he had taken too wide of a turn at first base. And then he got thrown out later in the game on a on a bad base running play by him. Uh, just a rough night for him running the bases. Yeah, it's not good. But in this game, the win will be given to Walker Bueller. He went seven innings, allowing two hits, no earned runs, and two strikeouts. The loss will go to JT Brubaker. He went four and two-thirds of an inning, allowing three earned runs and six strikeouts and give the save to Kenley Jansen, his 13th of the year. Um, A couple of things to unload here. Uh, First off, props to Kenley Jansen for turning this around. This has been a couple rough years in a row before this, where, you know, health-wise, he wasn't good for a while and wasn't able to stay out there. And then he didn't look like the same Kenley Jansen before. But now we've got a 185 ERA for him this year. This is his 13th save on the season. And I was not convinced with the talent that they have in this bullpen that 
he would remain the closer through this entire season. I mean, you look at the guys that are in this team. I mean, the guy that I first thought of, the two guys I first thought of were Blake Trine and, and Corey Niebel are both guys who were at one point or another very, very good closers in this league. And so I figured at some point one of them would be able to take Clanley Jansen out of that job, but he has buckled down this year. He's proven he can come back to the same spot he was in and looks better than ever. ever. Yeah, uh, Blake Blake Trinan and uh, Corey Knabel were certainly good for a couple seasons there, but they they were no Kenley Jansen. You know, I mean, this is a guy who's been a a dominant closer really since he came in in 2010. I mean, hasn't had a bad year ERA wise, which is really impressive as a relief pitcher because a couple bad outings and your season ERA is pretty much done for, uh, you know, he has some years here where he's going over 60 innings and allowing less than, than 15 earned runs for full seasons. Like this is really impressive stuff, striking out over a hundred batters. And, you know, I, LJ, I, I don't know why you, would even think that he would get replaced in the the Dodgers bullpen. Like, yes, yeah, certainly those are good arms coming out of the pen, but they aren't nearly what what a Kenley Jansen is when he is healthy. Sure, like if he's if he wasn't healthy and he was he was faltering a bit and couldn't be asked to pitch, you know, as you know, two three days in a row when needed. But uh, you know, I. I st- I, I do stand by I, I still stand by the questioning of that though because you look at this do not I'm not doubting the capability of Kenley Jansen this is one of the best closers in the game for a very long stretch here however his numbers we did start to see a decline in his numbers um really 2018 19 and 20 all years above a three ERA they weren't good and I believe it was 2019 was the year where he had that weird, was it a blood clot thing? I don't remember what it was exactly. He's had like some weird stuff. He's had an ir- irregular heartbeat. He's yeah, had, that was it. That was it. He's had a lot of heart problems. Yeah, and that that really screwed him up. I believe it was the 2019 season and some of the 2020 season where he, he, he missed at least a month during 2019. And then like he couldn't make trips to Colorado because of the elevation and everything. And so it was just one thing after another for this guy. And so I think there was valid questions about whether he would a be able to be healthy enough to stay out there and B whether he would be the dominant closer that a team this good deserves at the current state he's in, because these last couple of years where you, you haven't seen the best Kenley Jansen, that, that could have easily been like, after everything that I've gone through, he had been through physically, health-wise, that may have just kind of taken the wind out of his sails, taken that extra spring out of him. Or maybe he just, you know, some guys athletically will peak in their 20s and you'll start to see that decline. And I'm not saying that doesn't, that doesn't mean he's going to fall off a cliff and be a terrible pitcher. However, like when you're a team vying for back-to-back World Series and have the talent to do it, you can't have you screwing around with the closer position. That's why you bring in guys like Trinan. 
That's why you bring in guys like Corey Kniebel. That's why you bring in even guys such as um, in, internal guys, Jimmy Nelson, um, who's been around. Has he been around a while? Yeah, it's been two years now. Has looked very good there. Uh, Victor Gonzalez coming up and playing well. You know, maybe you're looking to start with somebody fresh here, a 25-year-old. There's a lot of really good arms in this bullpen. And I think at this after the last three years, you would have to be proactive if you didn't like what you saw out of them. Yeah, and, you know, I'm sure at some point uh, within the next couple of years, they're going to find a new closer, you know, which we certainly don't see very many closers be in that sort of position for 10 years. I mean, I think that that a Kenley is a really special player, especially when you realize that he's been closing games since he was, you know, 24 years old. And that reminds me of guys like Craig Kimbrell, Kimbrell. Josh Hader. I mean, these are guys who are, you know, Craig, Craig Kimbrell comes in at 23 and leads the league in saves his, his, his rookie year, his first four years in the league, he leads the league in saves. Uh, Josh Hader, a guy who comes in and at age 24, he's starting to move into the closer role age 25. He's fully in the role. And, you know, these are guys who, I mean, with the way that Hader pitches, I don't see him not being effective uh, later on in his career. He kind of has a little bit of herky jerky motion, uh, got some pretty nasty pitches as well. So, I mean, other than those three, though, I really can't think of another like these good cl- closers who come in young and are able to stick around and stay in that role. So not only is it impressive by by Kenley, but, uh, you know, also smart by the the Dodgers to also load up on that other a bullpen talent because you never know when an injury or, uh, you know, he could just completely fall apart. I mean, like a guy like Brad Lidge, like think about him, LJ was amazing for mm-hmm a part of his career and then completely just meltdown season in 2009. Uh, I don't know if you don't know, if you don't know that story, look into Brad Lidge and then the, the, the turnaround that he has uh, pretty amazing. Uh, or in the, in, in his, his, his meltdown in, in the 2006 season and then the turnaround after that. But yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention here real quick is Walker Bueller. I mean, this is a guy who we're now past the race to Memorial Day. We are in the end game now. And his numbers have evened out a lot, like much, much closer to what we were expecting out of Walker Bueller than what it was looking like early, where he kind of had a couple of rocky starts here or there during April. And you're like, okay, maybe, maybe he isn't on the same cal- level as a aging Kershaw or a Trevor Bauer. But now we're back down to a two-five-six. I mean, the rest of these guys, Gosman bound to come back towards the pack sooner rather than later. But so I, I certainly have to think Walker Bueller's back in the play for the Cy Young. I would not call him a favorite. However, he is much more in play now than he was five weeks ago. Yeah, and we're certainly going to talk about uh the NL Cy Young, whether we do that episode tomorrow or, um, yeah, whenever we end up doing the NL awards. But uh, I think that that's 
so it, it's so deep right now and for the 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 pitching in the NL that you know it's it's tough to really put him in there when I can already think of like three guys off the top of my head that just have flat out been better and that's absolutely nothing against Walker Bueller who LJ you know you're absolutely right he's having a great year but you know Jacob DeGrom, uh, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Kevin Gosman are also going off. And there's just a lot of good pitching right now at the top of the NL. Yeah, again, there's a lot of good pitching. But, you know, I think we have to start being realistic with the fact of how good this guy is, how, how easily he handled being on a competitive team at a young age. And I think we're going to start talking about him close to, if not in that same discussion, almost every year as he gets into his upper 20s. So, I mean, I, yeah, he's certainly not the most, the best pitcher right now in that group. And I'm not, I'm not putting him in any top five even, but I think we're a lot closer than we were, than I was expecting a few weeks ago. I was honestly a lot better than I was expecting a few hours ago when I looked at the stats. Yeah. Uh, all right. On to the next recap, the Giants and the Rangers. Uh, these teams would exchange runs in the second inning, the Giants scoring on a fielding error, and then Joey Gallo goes yard his 11th of the year. We would be tied at one until the sixth inning when Brandon Crawford uh, goes yard his 13th home run of the year. He had himself a very nice May. And uh, that gives the Giants a two-to-one lead. Bottom of the inning, though, the Rangers put up uh, three runs. They get in Adolis Garcia a double, only his fourth double on the year. Uh, But that scores a run. And then Nick Solak with his 10th double on the year that scores two. The Rangers take a four-to-two lead. Top eight, the bullpen implodes, and they give up. A Mike Talkman grand slam. Giants go from down four to two to up six to four. Huge hit from Talkman. And then Brandon Crawford adds on with his second home run of the night in the ninth. Rangers lose this one nine to four to the Giants. The Giants bullpen should have blown the game. So uh, Brandon Crawford could get his bingo bango Yahtzee supreme. Don't you think? Yeah, uh, it's a shame, but, you know, it's okay because Jose Alvarez picks up the win out of the Giants' bullpen. He goes two-thirds of an inning. Alex Wood, who got the start, five and a third, five hits, four earned, two strikeouts. The loss goes to Joely Rodriguez out of the Ranger bullpen. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. 
Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Uh, Jordan Lyles got the start. Six innings, six hits, one earned, and three strikeouts uh, for him. Yeah, let's get into um, – well, actually, before I go there, um, you have to wonder about tomorrow if Brandon Crawford and Mike Talkman they end up out of that game with a little back soreness from carrying the whole squad there. Yeah, uh, you know? uh, especially what what Brandon Crawford did in May. I mean, he's been he's been playing out of his mind lately. Uh, and I don't know, LJ. I know you you were looking into some some uh, UZR stuff uh, the other day with yes. uh I guess Brandon Crawford this year I haven't looked at a while but I guess he's like way out in front of every shortstop like he's essentially lapped the field with it really yeah I I, I saw something about it but really impressive what he's been uh, what he's been doing oh certainly I mean I'll, honestly that's what's been so fun about this team more than like Kevin Gosman and Buster Posey I mean part but actually but I shouldn't say that Buster Posey is a huge part of what I'm about to say, and that is the resurgence of these older players. Like a Brandon Crawford was not relevant for the past two or three years. Evan Longoria hasn't been relevant since, since at least a year before he left Tampa. And all of a sudden, they are back and better than ever. It's so fun to see. Oh, yeah. I mean, to see uh, pretty much guys that we uh, grew up watching be stars like Brandon Crawford, like uh, Buster Posey, Evan Longoria, all these guys on one team still and uh, seeing them shine is really cool. All right, next up, we got the Braves and the Phillies here. And this one started with scoring in the top of the first when Austin Riley double scored Ozzy Albies. Ronald Acuna hits his 18th home run of the year to left field. Remember, that is a Cunha, not a Cunha. And Bryce Harper and JT Realmuto both add home runs in this game. And we go into the top of the eighth, Atlanta's side of this game, with the Phillies leading 5-4. It was there that things became a very rough night for the people of Philadelphia. Austin Riley homers, then Later that inning, Wilson Contreras has an RBI single. Guillermo Herrera hit, gets an RBI on his fielder's choice, and Ronald Acuna drives in another run, and or two more runs. And all of a sudden, we have a 9-5 to game, which ends up being our final. The Braves, of course, take this one entirely on this five-run inning by their squad in the eighth. And the win will be given to Sean Newcomb. He went, of course, an inning. Drew Smiley got the start. He went four and a third, allowing two earned runs. The loss will go to Brogdon here for Philly in a opportunity where he ended up with two earned runs and, and three total runs. Two more runs would come across on Coonrod later that inning. Aaron Nola gets the start here. He goes five innings on four earned runs and seven strikeouts. And to join 
Kibrian Hayes on the not PPP here, but also make the PPP. We're kind of taking that segment out for the purpose of having the extra time to talk about the awards here is Ronald Acuna goes three for four today has three RBIs, but he absolutely dies on the bases today ends up not being able to make it through the inning on the bases twice. Now, as he gets caught stealing once by JT real Muto and then gets picked off another time. So two of the times that he made it on of the three, four times he made it on the base today, he did not end up finishing on the base. Not the best effort from Ronald Acuna. Yeah. You know, uh, when you hit the ball 460 feet, uh, pretty consistently, you can, uh, have, have a couple mess ups here and there. Yeah. Let's just, let's just not make it a habit here though. I mean, this is also, no, yeah. This is a team that, this is a team that's 500 that should be nowhere near 500 and you can't afford to be giving away runs. And I did not check to see where, what situations those instances were. However, he could have given away a couple of runs that would have made this game not even competitive from the middle innings. Well, thank God that they do a pull away and win uh, that one. Braves get a much needed uh, win, but Onto the White Sox and the Blue Jays. A Jonathan Davis sack fly gives Toronto a one nothing lead uh, in the top of the second. And then we're scoreless from that point until the bottom of the seventh. Andrew Vaughn, fifth home run of the year for the White Sox. He ties the game at one. And uh, we head to the eighth. Toronto's unable to do anything top eight. And then uh, completely bullpen meltdown here in the bottom of the eighth inning the White Sox score five runs first on an Andrew Vaughn sack fly then they get an RBI single from Adam Eaton an RBI triple that scores two from Leary Garcia and then a Tim Anderson sack fly to make it 6-1 and that's your final give the win to Garrett Crochet out of the White Sox bullpen uh, now two and two on the year. He goes one inning in relief has now pitched 18 and a third innings and is rocking the 0.49 ERA. Carlos Rodon got the start five innings, six hits, one earned eight Ks. His season ERA dips under two now at 1.96. Uh, the loss goes to, is this Tyler Thor- Thornton, Trent Thornton of Toronto, a third of an inning, Two hits, three earned. Uh, Robbie Ray got the start, LJ, in the tough line of the night. Six and a third, five hits, one earned, 13 Ks, and a no decision for him. Six and a third, 13 Ks, one earned, and you don't even get to. You literally did everything you possibly could to ensure the win on your own, and you did that. Honestly, you know, I get impressed. What do you think is more impressive? Like having a lot of strikeouts. I don't know. Like it's harder to get a lot of strikeouts in few innings, but it's also a skill to be able to go six or seven and be a high strikeout guy. Like LJ at the, at the playoff high school baseball game we saw today, that kid went 
six innings, 16 strikeouts, right? I mean, that's what he ended with. Yeah, I mean, that also wasn't the best play approach either. No. So it was an, it was efficient strikeouts. That's the thing is the vast, the majority of major league strikeouts are not that efficient. I would say, I, I don't have any numbers to back this up, but I would have to guess that it's about at least four pitches per strikeout at minimum or four. Uh, no, I'd, I'd go five. I, I would think. hope it's four. Like, like, yeah, it, it's, I don't see I, too many guys going down one, two, three. It, no, it, I, it doesn't happen. I completely forgot about um, foul balls too. So I would say probably five strikeouts. So if you have a 10 strikeout day, that's 50 pitches on strikeouts alone. And that's not going to count to for all of your 10 strikeouts aren't going to count for more than four innings of work. So like it, you have to be able to spot your balls and have good enough stuff that it's not getting hit and you're not having to stick into these long at bats to be able to go deep with strikeouts. That's why it's such a skill to be able to be efficient and not be like just a weak contact guy. Yeah. And, you know, I think something that people don't, don't realize is that strikeouts kind of inflate your pitch count. Like you're spending so many more pitches to get outs when, you know, you, you can look at a guy like historically, like a, like a Greg Maddox. who you know, he literally has a term named after him where if you throw a complete game shutout in under a hundred pitch in under a hundred pitches, you Maddox, the other team, you know, just that weak contact, uh, just spotting your pitches really well. And we don't see it much anymore because literally the pitches are too good. Now that all the pitches move too much, the pitchers are throwing them harder than ever. Uh, and just the, the, the pitching's gotten so good that we don't see too many pitch to contact guys anymore because they all realize like, if I can be striking guys out, why not? Especially now that the hitting philosophy is just hit the absolute crap out of the ball. So the entire, the, the entire pitch to contact generation, like got completely screwed by the way the game changed. It basically went from the game completely favoring them. And I'd say like the late, late two thousands, early 2010s to now completely shifting away from them as launch angle and, Everything is so much more important. Guys are encouraged to not hit the ball on the ground. You know, just completely yeah. moved away from it. They're encouraged to just hit the ball as hard as they can in the air, which, you know, is not good for a contact pitcher. You certainly don't want to be allowing a lot of fly balls. No, you don't. That's why, like, again, the few that are, like, contact pitchers, they have the rarest, like, skill set. Like you've got Ryan Yarbrough who's throwing low nineties with a ton of junk and you just really don't 120% know where that's going to be. You can't really smack the crap out of a ball unless you have a good idea of where it's going to land on your bat. Like it's so hard to square guy. If you're a guy who's hard to square up, you're still going to be fine. But if you have any, you can't, you can't be like wishy-washy on that. You have to be, I'd say, within like the top 10% of weak contact pitchers at this point in terms of stuff, if you're going to have any hope of being successful in the majors. Yeah, and you know, Yarbrough is a guy who also 
when you're watching him, he doesn't have like the nastiest pitches from that back camera angle, but just so much control. He doesn't walk yeah. anyone. He just he just doesn't walk guys. And I mean, when when you you don't need to strike guys out if you're if if you're not walking them and if you're allowing weak contact. I mean, you know, like I love uh, Ryan. Ryan Yarbrough, when he throws that that complete game against the the uh, Yankees the other day, I don't I don't want to say he had very many strikeouts. It's just all weak contact, weak ground balls. I mean, which we used to see so often, and 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 now we don't. You know, the only guys who I can think of who really do this well now are Kyle Hendricks, Ryan Yarbrough. You know, sort of the high or the very low walk, very low strikeout rate guys, uh, you know, that also don't have the best spin spin rates either. They're just great uh, pitching around contact. Yeah, I mean, it's so, I just, I, you know, I think it's hard to really process, unless you're that guy, how you're doing, how you're able to do that. Because in order to get that weak contact, like the guy, the you have to make it so, they're not really 120% sure where this is going, but you're 120% sure where this is going if you're a guy like Ryan Yarbrough. That's yeah, another you reason. Can't walk batters. It, that's the thing. If, if you pitch to contact and you walk batters, it's not a good combo. No, and that's why, like, you'd think that more guys that have, like, a lot of junk would be looking more to hit to contact. However, if you're going to drop a lot of balls in the dirt, if you're going to drop – and not have that same con- confined space to where your pitches are going, it's just going to be a hassle for you. Like, can you imagine if you get all of a sudden you're walking a guy, you drop one in the dirt. It's just, you know, it's, it's the usual mess we see a lot. However, another shout out to foolish baseball for the GPP GPH, because it, it's one of the few stats that gives the weak contact guys a fair shake. I mean, you look at Ryan Yarbrough on here. He's not like in the top 10 right now. He hasn't been like phenomenal this year. He's been solid, but not phenomenal. However, like to look at the guys around him, he's got more, more GPP than Jacob deGrom right now. Wow. Like in terms of total GPP, it's better than Jacob deGrom. Um, Percentage wise, not so, not as much. However, it's still pretty close. I mean, you look at guys, Herman Marquez, Walker Bueller, Nathan Eovaldi, all guys who've played full season. I completely forgot that uh, DeGrom is time for a second there. However, like, those are very good pitchers that are more the, more the strikeout-oriented guy, particularly Bueller, most of the time. So those are impressive numbers to see yourself amongst. Freddie Peralta's right above him. Yeah. Uh- but, yeah, this next game – this this next game kind of sucked. It was kind of like, you know, you're being you're being told like it's telegraphed that I'm going to kick you in the crotch and yet you can't move, you can't cover yourself up. You kind of have to sit there and take it. We have the Red Sox and the Astros here. A Carlos Correa home run is upheld on review in the top of the first to make this a one-nothing game and then top of the second, Martin Perez just completely imploded. He allows five earned runs in this inning alone without any home runs. You've got a Martin Maldonado single, Carlos Correa double, a hit by pitch, and then another single by Yuli Gurriel. 
all of a sudden he leaves this game with it being a six nothing Astros lead. Jordan Alvarez added a home run in the fourth to make this seven nothing. Hunter Renfro did bring in one run in the bottom of the fourth, but that would be all that would be scored in this game. The Red Sox fall to the Astros seven to one. Give the win to Framber Valdez. He went seven and a third, allowing five hits, one earned run, and eight strikeouts. The loss to Martin Perez. He went two innings, allowing six earned runs and two strikeouts. This balloons his average up to 388. Um, a couple of quick thoughts on this. I'm completely fine with it. You know, when it as far as the pitching goes, the bullpen was better than I was expecting. And you got the majority of the work out of guys that you probably weren't going to be using much anyways. Like they're not high leverage guys. You got to waste those. We got the day that we've been looking for and desperately needing for a while where we can save up some of these guys. I mean, we've had the majority of our high leverage bullpen used at least three out of the last four days or two out of the last four days with the Yankees series and then the close game we played with Miami the other day. So to get those rests, we're good. But at the end of the day, it's not like every single pitcher in this league is Jacob Brown. They're not always going to have lights out every time they come out. And we have been very hot on the pitching end. The starters, I still believe fully in all of them. However, <clears throat> somebody, somebody was due for a bad start around. You're always due for a bad start sooner rather than later, especially if you've had a good start to the year. We got through Nick Pavetta's the other day where he had a lot of runners on base and Martin Perez's didn't work so well. What frustrates me here is this Astros pitching staff just seems to have our number and it's frustrating as hell. Um, this is a third or third out of the last five games, I think, that we've only scored one or two runs against Houston. Like we just have not put up numbers in the majority of the starts to be able to compete with this team. But at the end of the day, I will, uh, I'll give that because we've played well in every other game that we've needed to. If one team is going to give us fits this year, then you kind of have to just take it and wear it. Also keep in mind, Martin Perez went seven and two thirds shutout the last time he faced Houston a week ago. That's baseball for you. Uh, but on the time. We're still spreading the news. Yeah, yeah, no, not after tonight, no. Nah. I'm still it's, spreading the news. It's over. Yeah, you you're, you're over. Today. All right, on to, as for the Tigers and the Mariners, the Tigers put up a three spot in the bottom of the first thanks to a Miguel Cabrera single and then Eric Haas home run, his eighth on the year to make it 3-0 Tigers. Donovan Walton scores or is able to reach on a fielding error to score a run top two for Seattle. But the Tigers respond with a run in the bottom of the second on a Derrick Hill RBI single. Uh, they extend the lead later in the game on a Jonathan Scope RBI single. It's five to one. Top eight, the Mariners are able to get two runs, one out of a double play they hit into, and then Taylor Trammell uh, RBI double to make it five to three. Uh, but 
that's all the Mariners are able to come up with, and the Tigers take this one. The win to Matt Boyd, six innings, six hits, no earned, three strikeouts, now three and six on the year for him, season ERA down to 3.56. Marco Gonzalez takes the loss, now one and four on the year, four innings, five hits, four earned, two strikeouts for him. And Jose Cisnero picks up his second save on the year for Detroit. Let's get into this Brewers-Reds game here. Bottom of the second, Nishogo Akiyama comes through and opens the scoring up with a 1-0 Cincinnati lead. From there, it's all Milwaukee. As Avisel Garcia hits his 12th home run of the year, Christian Yelich drives in the go-ahead run. And then Avisel Garcia drives in another while Travis Shaw gills the final blow as the Milwaukee Brewers win this one 5-1 over the Cincinnati Reds. Give the win to Adrian Hauser. He went five and a third, allowing one earned run and four strikeouts. His ERA is now a 3-6-6, certainly the forgotten child of this Milwaukee pitching staff. The loss will go to Hendricks out of the bullpen as Sonny Gray went three innings, shut out with five strikeouts to start this game. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Yeah, I think Sonny Gray got pulled uh, from his start tonight. He did with a groin injury. So uh, A groin injury? Oh, no. So we will have to see uh, what is wrong with him. But on to the Rays and the Nationals. Bottom one, Manny Margot, sixth home run of the year to uh, give Tampa a one nothing lead early. The Nationals tie the game top three with a Trey Turner RBI single, uh, and we're tied at one. Bottom five, Mike Brasso steps up, rips an RBI double, and then Mike Zanino with an RBI single. It's three to one Tampa Bay, and they go on to win by that score. A dominant pitching night for the Tampa Bay staff. Uh, you can give the win to Tyler Glass now. Seven innings, six hits, one earned, 11 strikeouts for him. Now five and two on the year. Uh, Fire Eisen, Thompson, and Castillo uh, combine for two innings of work. Castillo gets the save, his 10th uh, on the year. The loss to Wander Suero for Washington. John Lester, three and two thirds, four hits, one earned. Two strikeouts and four walks. Next up, we've got the Rockies and these very plunky Miami Marlins. 
Ryan McMahon drives in in the first run of the game for the Rockies before a run for Miami in the bottom of the third. Jesus Aguilar drives in another run. I believe he still leads the National League in RBIs. Uh, that sounds about right. Yes, 46 RBIs. The next one on this list is Brandon Crawford at 41. So he's got a very comfortable five RBI lead right now. It would take at least a day for anybody else to touch him on that. But then Corey Dickerson hits a triple to drive in two more before Adam Duvall deals the final blow of the inning, making it a 4-1 lead. Colorado manages to to score on a wild pitch by Pablo Lopez. Great hustle play by Charlie Blackman before the Miami Marlins put this game out of reach in the bottom of the seventh. Jesus Aguilar drives in yet another, this time Jazz Chisholm on a single to left field. And then Adam Duvall brings home Starling Marte to make this a six to two ball game. Give the win to Pablo Lopez went eight innings allowing two earned runs and eight strikeouts. His ERA is now a 276 and he is two and three on the year. And the loss will go to the two and six Antonio Senzatella. He went six innings allowing four earned runs and eight strikeouts. All right. On to the Yankees and the Twins. Uh, Minnesota takes a 2-0 lead in the bottom of the first uh, off a Ryan Jeffers double. Uh, They would maintain that lead until the top of the fifth where the Yankees are able to tie it up thanks to a bases-loaded Aaron Judge walk and then a wild pitch that would score Brett Gardner. Top six, the Yankees take the lead on a sacrifice fly by Brett Gardner. Uh, and it's 3-2, but in the bottom of the sixth, Jordan Montgomery pleads with Aaron Boone to stay in the game. Boone allows him to, and then he proceeds to allow the game-tying double off the top of the wall that missed that missed going out by about a half of an inch. So Yankees really lucky into one there. Rob, Rob Ref Snyder with an RBI double to tie it up to make things worse for Ref Snyder. So LJ, he's just coming off the injured list after uh, he ran into the wall the other day. Well, the wall ran into him, basically. He had no yeah. idea it was coming. <laughs> and he basically the- just had like you might as well you might as well name you might as well name that wall JJ Watt. Yeah, it was Deck. it was it was it was a nice hit that the wall laid. But then tonight stick fumble. So he thinks he hits a home run coming out of the box, right? I mean, I thought it was going off the bat, and I was like, well, there goes the lead that we just took. Uh, And instead, it goes off the top of the wall, so he sprints into second base, slides into second, and then proceeds to uh, pull something in his hamstring. And it's just on the ground, uh, just, you know – not good, uh, but ties the game anyways. So we're tied at three after six innings. Top eight, uh, the Yankees are able to score a run on a DJ LeMahieu fielder's choice. Uh, there was a throwing error by Jorge Polanco that allowed Tyler Wade to score there to give the Yankees the lead. Uh, then there was another fielder's choice that scored a run. The Yankees challenged. Uh, the call was overturned. 
Uh, this error was on actually it was on Andrelton Simmons. Uh, you know, honestly, I don't want to say it was his fault. It was a really weird play where he was throwing the ball to a spot. Basically, uh, they was waiting for the first baseman to go and cover basically just threw the ball to where the first baseman should be first baseman kind of overran it and missed the base. Uh, but that allows a run to score. So it'd be five, three Yankees. Uh, and then the top of the ninth the Yankees pile it on Gary Sanchez home run, his second hit of the night. He's been hot lately. Uh, he goes yard to make it seven, three, and then Miguel and Duhar with a homer of his own. It's eight, three. The Yankees go on to win eight to four. The win to Jonathan Loisega. Now five and two out of the Yankees bullpen this year. Season ERA is under two at 1.99. The loss to Taylor Rogers. And uh, you can give the Yankees start. That was Jordan Montgomery, five and two thirds, eight hits, three earns, six strikeouts. Next up, we have the Indians and the Cardinals here. A rather one-sided game. I feel like St. Louis keeps having these when they shouldn't as a team that should be a division leader right now. But top of the first, Ahmed Rosario hits his fourth triple of the season, which scores one. And then Jose Ramirez is able to drive him in, making this a 2-0 ball game in the first. Top of the third, and Jose Ramirez smacks his 14th home run of the season out to right field which scores two more, including himself, to make this a 5-0 ball game. Edmundo Sosa's RBI single breaks the scoreless gridlock for St. Louis, and the Cardinals would go on, or I'm sorry, the Indians would go on to score five more en route to this 10-1 route of the St. Louis Cardinals. Give the win to Shane Bieber, he went six innings, allowing one earned run and five strikeouts. He's now seven and three on the year. The loss goes to Carlos Martinez. He went four innings, allowing five earned runs and seven strikeouts. All right. Uh, on to the Royals and the Angels. L.A., uh, hits four home runs for the first four scoring events of this game. We have an Otani two run bomb in the first, a Max Stassi two run bomb in the third. We get two home runs in the fourth from Jose Iglesias and Justin Upton. And it's six, nothing angels top seven Hanser Alberto with a double for Kansas city. That's all the runs they get in this one though. Taylor Ward goes deep to cap it off for the angels. And uh, on a night where their bats get going, they win eight to one. Andrew Heaney gets the win, now four and three on the year, six and two thirds, six hits, one earned, seven strikeouts. The loss to Chris Bubich, four innings, six hits, six earned, uh, and four strikeouts for him. All right. Oh, I have the next you one. To, yeah, I think I screwed this up. Do you want me to go to my next one? Oh, uh, no, I can take this. This is fine. Uh, A's and Diamondbacks. Christian Walker opens it up with his second home run on the year. Uh, that makes it a one nothing Arizona lead in the top of the second. Bottom four, though, the A's put up a five spot. They get a bases loaded walk from Sean, Sean Murphy. 
a Chad Pender single, a Matt Chapman single, a bases loaded walk from Elvis Andrews, and then a Mark Canna force out. And they go on to win this one five to two. You can give the win to Chris Bassett, seven innings, four hits, two earned, six strikeouts. The loss to John Duplantier for Arizona, three innings, two hits, four earned, four strikeouts. And Lou Trevino picks up his ninth save on the season. Next up, we got the Cubs and the Padres for our final game of the night. Scoring starts out in the top of the fourth with a Wilson Contreras home run to left, his 10th on the year. Then we get to the top of the sixth. Anthony Rizzo doubles to score two. And then due to some very intelligent lineup construction, Patrick Wisdom steps up to the plate in this inning, and he hits his eighth home run of the year, which also scores Rizzo make this a five nothing ball game uh, lj that's a that that's a bingo bango bongo for him that is in goodita bingo bango yahtzee oh a bingo bango yahtzee i'm sorry this guy has been incredible he just won player of the week he had six home runs last week he just went yard again this dude I, you could not be hotter than this guy is right now i mean yeah because and the majority of those i think that there was only one two home run game correct so he hits, oh, no, it wasn't a, no, he didn't hit one yesterday. It was three and four I knew days. it. I was going to say, right, yeah. Damn it. I didn't oh, see it's right. okay. It's okay. He's still, he's still. It's still an insane pace he's been on because he hasn't been, like, in the lineup regularly on this team. No, he's only had 40 oh. at-bats. He's had yeah. 40 at-bats the whole season, and he's had so he's, home runs. He's all almost put it out of the park a quarter of the time he's been up there. He's put it out of the park 20% of the time that he's been up there. Yes, math. Thank you, economics major. And, oh, so funny stat here. His 1.457 OPS is so – that's, so that's what he's done in these 40 at-bats. Uh, yeah, Barry Bonds did that for an entire season in 2004. Uh, so if you think he's hot, uh, this was just the s- season average of of a uh, 2004 Barry Bonds. Don't, don't get don't get too big a head about it, Patrick Wisdom. Yes, please don't get too big of a head about it. Anyway, Anthony Rizzo hits his sixth home run later in the game. In the bottom of the ninth, Ha Seong Kim's double scores Tommy Pham to break up the shutout that the Cubs had going and the Cubs beat the Padres once again, this time seven to one, give the win to Zach Davies in his revenge game against the San Diego Padres. He goes six innings shut out with four strikeouts. The loss will go to Dinelson Lamette who went five innings, allowing four earned runs and six strikeouts in this game. All right. Uh, I will run through the leaderboards quick. Uh, and I'm going to switch it up a bit today. So, so far every day when I go through the war leaderboards, I've been using base or I've been using Fangraphs war, uh, commonly referred to as F war. Today, I'm going to be using a different calculation, the baseball reference war, uh, just to see how they compare uh, between the two. It's a, you know, both the same stat, just calculated 
very minute differences. So uh, in terms of position players, Max Muncy leads at 3.3, Marcus Simeon at 3.1, and Vladdy Jr. at 3.1. Uh, for all players, Brandon Woodruff at 3.8, Kevin Gosman at 3.8, Zach Wheeler at 3.3. Shohei Otani at 3.3 as well. Uh, and then, of course, we have home runs, which is now a two-way tie between Ronald Acuna and Vladdy Jr. at 18. Uh, LJ was talking about the RBI leaderboards earlier. <laughs> it's currently a two-way tie between Rafael Devers and Austin Meadows with 48. Uh, and then stolen bases, Whit Merrifield uh, with 17. So, uh, yeah, certainly has been swiping qu quite a few bags to start the year. At some point here, Brandon, we need to do Australian leaderboard day. Which is? We just take the entire leaderboard and we flip it upside down. Talk about all the worst players in the league. Well, we can certainly do that, LJ. Today uh, at, at a dinner tonight, I, I brought up the idea of the anti-PPP. Yes, the anti-PPP. Certainly the first two members had to be Acuna and Brian Hayes today for their efforts, try, just trying to run the bases. Just did not go well today. Also, but also oh yeah, you can go ahead. Um, can we get, give a quick shout out to everyone who was involved with this dinner tonight? We got a very nice surprise party today after the sectional game from our former high school, after we got back celebrating us being able to get through 100 episodes. Also, thank you to all of you that have been still listening. I'm surprised anyone else can stand my voice this long. So I will continue to keep talking, but thank you guys for all listening. It means a lot that you guys are all going through this season with us, and we're having a lot of fun going through this season. Um, but yeah, no, especially this. So thank you to all of our friends and family who were, were so supportive in this that night. I was not expecting it. I mean, you know, this is this is what I, I love to do. I wasn't expecting any form of that. So thank you. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Thank you very much. And, uh, you know, we're so excited to, you know, just keep keep going on with this journey through the rest of the season with you guys. But uh Let's get in, you know, these last, I don't know, say five, 10 minutes. Just me and LJ are going to go through uh, the awards in the AL uh, right now. Who's the MVP? Who's the Cy Young? Who is the reliever of the year? Uh, LJ, where do we want to start? We want to start with MVP. I mean, I feel like that's the most clear cut of them all. And it's still not very – it's clear, but it's not – there's there's a lot of arguments to be made for this one. It's moderately clear, yes. All right. Uh, so, I mean, Vladdy Jr. has just been absolutely killing it, you know. Yeah. He's hitting over 330. Uh He's he's walking at a rate that is pretty absurd for a power hitter. He's striking out at a rate that is also pretty absurd for a power hitter. Uh, leads the league in home runs. Leads the league in war uh, on fan graphs. Third in 
third on on baseball reference uh am i missing anything he's just um no i mean let's go through this yeah uh leads league and batting average major is an op uh, on base percentage league and slugging major is an ops major is an ops plus what more could you want from this guy? He 120% is my MVP pick right now if I had a vote, if I had any form of say on this. Also, a very underrated part of this part of his game is the fact that we are now looking at um, basically the exact same span as last year. We are now at 57 games played for him. He played all 60 games last year in his first year at first base. And we're seeing a very solid improvement if you look at his defensive numbers. You know, he's still not a like plus plus or even plus defender, but we're starting to see him, like the numbers are showing he's getting more comfortable at the position. He's learning, he's developing and really feeling comfortable at first base now. And that makes a world of difference on both sides of the ball, but just hits home the fact that this guy is maturing into a superstar and is certainly deserving of being at minimum in the MVP discussion. But right now my MVP. Yeah. Uh, I'm also putting him as my number one on my, my ballot. Uh, LJ, what do you say we do like a top three for our, oh. for our ballot, something like that? Uh, um, okay. I can, I already have my other two, so I can, I can give you time on this one, but um. Good. So, yeah, obviously we're going to go uh, Vladdy one. You know, number two in the American League, uh, I honestly don't think it's a homer pick. It, um, I, I have to go with with Aaron Judge. Uh, what he's been doing this year has been, you know, I, I, I think it was one of the guys on, uh, I don't know if it was the Talking Yanks podcast, some something I was listening to, and they said, you watch highlights of the 2021 Yankees and like, let's say that you just like sprinkled in clips here and there of the 2017, 18, 19 and 20 teams. And I was watching a highlight of DJ or Glaber. You can very clearly tell what their, what their 2021 season has been just by watching a couple of at bats compared to other seasons with judge if you were showing me his 2021 highlights and then you showed me his 2017 highlights, I, I would think it's the same year. I mean, this guy looks the exact same. LJ, I think out of every hitter, Judge has the most 100th percentiles right now on baseball savant. He currently has five, those being average exit velocity, expected WOBA, expected batting average, expected slugging percentage. He is in the 99th percentile of both max exit velocity and hard hit percentage, and then the 98th percentile of barrel percentage. Uh, yeah, he's my number two. And then number three, uh, I'm going to go with Shohei Otani uh, just because pitching and hitting, so, so valuable what he brings to the plate, uh, you know, Obviously, don't need to go a very too much in depth with him. We we know what he's been doing on on, on both sides of the ball. Hit that moonshot home run tonight. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're gonna go with a homer pick here, I think I always also have to. All right. And I've got I've got I've got sol- solid enough numbers for this. First off, I should say again, 
Vladimir Guerrero is not a plus defender. That is usually a big thing for me. However, when you're leading the league or the majors in just about every other offensive statistic, then I think I kind of have to make let that slide, right? Yeah. So I am going to go here at number two. I'm going to go Xander Bogarts. And I just I, I, I struggle to see areas where he has not grown into a legit star here. Um, run through his base numbers here. Currently slashing 321, 378, 535 with a 149 OPS plus over here on baseball reference. He, they have him sitting at 2.5 war, but he has 2.8. F war over on fan graphs, which I mean, realistically, Brandon, you'll agree is the truer version. You know, they're, they're, they're both. I, I honestly, I don't, tend to side with fan graphs. You know, see, the thing is, fan graphs is great and I love fan graphs, but a baseball or a re- reference is so easy to, you know, pull it up when, when you're on their page or whatever. Fangraphs, it always takes long for the pages to load. And when I'm trying to look at how much war a guy accumulated over his entire career, I prefer to go to baseball or reference. But for in-season, Fangraphs is very good. But in yeah, terms I think of overall, calculations, I, you know, they're, they're both so similar. Yeah, it's a very minute difference. But I usually will side with the fan, the Fangraphs war over that. But to make a little another dive into his numbers, this is a guy who is not touted as a glove guy, but desperately wanted to be going into his career. Like this is a guy with a natural swing coming out of Aruba and really wanted to be everything he could possibly be, especially at on the defensive side. He's won silver sluggers and he's like, yeah, the one I want is the gold glove. Well, He's got 3.3 defensive war this year. Like that, that, that is up there among the shortstops in the American League. I'm all for seeing. It. I mean, this is a guy who has at least at the does the at bare minimum at all times. Like he's not necessarily Andrelton Simmons making Superman plays from shortstop, but you're not going to see him make the big mistake. You're not. You're never going to see that out of him. And the range and the crazy, the great plays are slowly coming. So I'm not giving him the shortstop gold glove right now. However, he's come such a long way with that to being a, a very good defender and being so high up on, on all of these categories, including second in the American League in war. I got to go with him here. That said, number three, Jose Ramirez. We just talked about him actually earlier this evening about how he is consistently going to be in the voting for MVP for like eternity. However, probably never wins an MVP. I, I, I like him over anyone else I'm seeing on this list right now. You know, you've got a 2.2 fan graphs war here, a plaz- positive defensive war, and he just fits a lot of what goes into being a winner. Like he's, he's walking at a very good clip. He's not striking out. That was the big difference between Simeon and Ramirez for me when I was coming down to it. Uh, spoiler alert, yeah, Marcus Simeon would be my number four. However, the two big reasons were Marcus, Marcus Simeon's strikeout rate is not something I'm 100% here for. And then 
Jose Ramirez is now down at 13.7 strikeout percentage with 10.7 walk percentage right now, all of which, while his expected stats are higher than his current stats. So I'm all in on what Jose Ramirez is doing the rest of the year and even what he's doing now. Like, again, if I'm voting, I shouldn't be using expected stats at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean it should be closer to that. So if I'm voting for that, it probably, I probably should look at it now. However, regardless, without that, I still give it, give this third spot to Jose Ramirez. The other thing I consider here is, I mean, most valuable player to me, as much as this isn't the outlook that it always, it always gets in baseball is if your team is not like, if your team isn't doing well at all, are you really that much of a value? Like, what does it what does it matter if you're the most valuable player? Like if you what does what does your value matter if you're not winning? These are uh, you're both. really trying to take away Trout's accomplishments right now. I'm not I'm not though because what I'm about to say is the exact same thing that really counted for Trout in a lot of those seasons, which is neither the Red Sox or the Indians were expected to be in the position they are, and yet these are the two guys leading both the clubhouse and the, on the field for both of those teams as they well exceed their expectations. Trout, Trout certainly pulled his team up at least an extra notch from where they rightfully should be talent-wise in a lot of situations. And he is the reason that they overperformed in a lot of, in a lot of cases. That's why I'm not doubting Trout. However, that was the difference for me here is you look at a Toronto team, which has struggled to keep up with the other powerhouses in their division. Jose Ramirez is leading a Cleveland team, which should not be putting up decent, putting up a decent fight in the central right now. And the Red Sox, who if Tampa would stop being annoying, would be fighting for this division right now. So yeah, that's, that's overall my logic. I really kind of, yeah. Well, let's get into the. Uh, I filibustered that. I'm sorry. You guys, oh no, you're good. For the few guys for the Cy Young, for uh, the American League, uh, this is a tough one, honestly. I mean, I feel like the the National League Cy Young. There's so many more standout guys. Where as in the American League, it's like Cy Young is an award where. Well, I as much as I don't want like team stats to matter, like it, it, some to some voters it ends up mattering, which you know is is whatever. You know, sometimes they they just like to to give it to the best pitcher on the best team, like Rick Porcello that one year. But well, I think I do think the team stats do mean something because it it shows overall in a very similar way as I was looking at the MVP of did it actually matter? Like, did your contribution actually matter? Like, was your team positively, fully positively affected by yours? Like you could put up consistently good numbers, get a high war and like barely have any wins when you were in the game. Like. Yes. But also like, it's not your fault if your team sucks. Like, no, it's, it's not. However, it should certainly. Like see Felix Hernandez, see, see Jacob DeGrom they win Cy Young awards in years where their teams were not good, but they were just so good that you had to give it to them. I'm not disagreeing that at all. 
I'm just saying like that certainly should be taken into account and given its weighted shape. Well, in terms of my guys here for the AL uh, Cy Young, I mean, I guess number one, I'm going to go with uh yeah i mean let's go ahead and go go, go for it let's just do it like 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 why like i'm gonna pick garrett cole and this is coming off of a couple starts in a row where the yankees haven't won but i guess i'm surprised to see his win-loss record at a six and three because we've certainly lost more than three games when he's been on the mound this year but i mean with the way the offense has been too, the fact that we, he scraped out six wins really shows something. And, you know, not only that, of course, I have more stats to back it up. Uh, expected ERA, he's the 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 number one starter in the American League. Uh, number two starter or number three starter in the league behind Corbin Burns and Jacob DeGrom. And... Yeah, that interview he had today with about the pine tar was a, a really bad response to the question. Uh, very awkward, very bad look for the organization that they didn't have our something already pre-written or a pre-planned answer to a question that every single player in every clubhouse is going to get asked over this next week. Just terrible organizational failure, on all honesty, the fact. But that's completely... Besides the point, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to go uh, Garrett Cole, number one. Number two, uh, this is this is also tough because there's a couple guys. I'm, you know, LJ, I'm going to put. Would you, would you like me to? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, this So one of the guys who I'm going to bring up is an honorable mention. He's not going to make my top three, but that. I think is, I know who you're talking about. Evaldi. Yeah. He's an honorable mansion, but he's not top three. I'm probably going to go Lance Lynn, too. Uh, he's, he's been killing it this year, 1.23 ERA. Uh, and his expected ERA is up there, too. And then number three, uh, you know, I think I'm going to have to go with uh, – no, let's do it. Uh, Kyle Gibson? Like, is that, a, is that a terrible pick? No, it's not where I was going, but that is not a terrible pick. I just don't know where – I just don't know, like, who who I like out of this list here. I mean, Chris Bassett maybe, Shane Bieber, Tyler Glass now, one of those you guys. See, you see, I was going Shane Bieber here. Where, where I go here, I go Garrett Cole, number one. I mean, it, his numbers right now, as much as it pains me to say it, and I would – if anybody was – felt to be genuinely close to me no offense don't take offense here Brendan I probably pick against him and that's just because for me in the starts that I've watched he hasn't looked like a dominant pitcher whereas there are other pitchers like don't get me wrong his he his numbers have been dominant however the eye test the wow factor of that hasn't been there for me it hasn't he hasn't done that for me yet and there has to be something that like opens my eyes down the line for me to be all in on him. But that being said, Garrett Cole is clearly the best player in, in the American League right now. He gets this not 100%. Next up, I go Shane Bieber. 
I believe. 2.1 wins above replacement currently. He is 6-3 and three with a 308 ERA. I genuinely and fully expect Shane Bieber's ERA to drop consistently as the season goes on. He's at 13.3 strikeouts per nine, which is the best clip among like legitimate starters in the American League right now. He's always going to be that power strikeout guy. And I, I, I see him trending well, and I think he's also pitched, again, very well for a team that is overperforming at this point. Three, I am going to go Lance Lynn here. I mean, seven and one with a one, two, three ERA, even if it's 58 innings, is a fantastic time. Like, your pitch, he, he has been pitching great this year. We've been talking about him as a potential all-star starter. So we'll definitely see where this all goes. But, like, there's a lot of guys in this race that could jump into it. One of these guys that we you mentioned here, Nathan Eovaldi is one of the strangest cases in this group. I mean, you look at you look at his numbers here. Seven and two with 66 innings pitched and a 3.78 ERA. Like the seven and two, fantastic. 3.78, ugh, that 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 isn't Cy Young caliber. But then you look a little closer. Home runs per nine, 2.7 or 0.27. This guy has allowed two home runs all year. He barely walks anybody. He's not a big strikeout guy, but when you're not doing the other two, that's fine. His FIP right now, fielding independent pitching, is sitting at 2.39. So there is a lot to like about what Nathan Yavaldi is doing on the mound right now. If he can just keep this up, we're looking at this 378 ERA, which just, again, the more you look into the peripherals, seems very odd, and I struggle to figure out where exactly it came from, will eventually mellow out into something very respectable with the way he's pitching right now. And then all of a sudden, it becomes much easier to vote for him on this. All right. uh, For – I'll make it quick because it is getting late here – for my three for AL reliever of the year, uh, LJ, I feel like this is the easiest one because uh, the I thought of three guys and then I went and checked like two stat pages and I was pretty confident in my pick. So we're going to go Chapman first, Barnes second, Hendricks third. I, I don't fair. think that, I don't think you can put anyone over Chapman. Uh, the .39 ERA is just crazy. It's just crazy what he's done. He struck out. Yes, Barnes is close. Both Barnes and Chapman have been outstanding, and they both strike out batters at crazy rates. Uh, Chapman just hasn't beat, though. Chapman strikes out a little over 50% of the hitters he's faced this year. Barnes is at, like, 49-point-something. But Barnes blew that save the other night, uh, so I'm going to hold it over his head. Okay, well, yeah, I'm also going to go Chapman Barnes for some reason. There's no good reason for this. I mean, Liam Hendricks leads the league in saves right now, 14.7 Ks per nine. Why doesn't he do it for me? Like, 
I feel like there's a lot of guys on I this think list. He got the big contract, and you're like, eh, is he really worth $54 million? I don't know. It's just like, it's one of those things where I'm like trying to find a guy that like edges him out. But for me right now, in terms of like eye test of who has that sex appeal towards being voted for, I feel like Liam, for me personally, Liam Hendricks, Rossiel Iglesias, and Diego Castillo all sit on like the same level. Like they're all insanely talented and all have been performing lights out this year. But I mean, the numbers just, the numbers all point to Hendricks. I'm not sure why I'm not sold on him. I wouldn't say that Rysel Iglesias has been lights out this year. He's had, he, you know, but he, he's been, he, he, in his best moments. I mean, yeah, I mean, sure. He's, but the sex uh, appeal. we're all about Hendrick, the single, the award sex appeal. Yeah. Hendricks has been uh, outstanding this year so far. He's been everything that they could have asked for him, especially in when he has to come in and pitch in some weird situations uh, that the White Sox get themselves into with poor poor bullpen management prior uh to him uh you know chapman is is the same way you know there's some weird situations that he ends up in as well but uh yeah barnes chapman Hendricks have really been the the top three relievers in the american league this this uh the season so far i mean in terms of saves there's a couple other guys up there like uh, you know, Ian Kennedy of the Rangers, uh, like we said, Bryce Iglesias, Ryan Presley's up there, but no one's really been as, as dominant as those. Three. Well, yeah, of course. I think you still keep those three. However, sneaky guys, again, you're, you're probably not ever giving it to a, a non-closer, but some guys who need, need acknowledgement that are having fantastic seasons here are the only, there's only four players right now in relievers that are above one war. Matt Barnes, Araldus Chapman, and then Scott Barlow and Paul Fry. Scott Barlow's been very, very good. They've both been very, very good. So at the end of the day, it comes down to how much are you really going to, at the end, if this was the end of the season, how much do you count into those saves? Because we've talked about before that, in theory, it's kind of silly to chase a stat with your best best reliever. I mean, like, realistically, I still think the save situation, that ninth inning, is all, almost always going to be the most high-leverage high situation in the head of the pitcher. So you probably do want your cl- closer there, your best guy there. However, there is a case in many, many games that the most high-leverage spot is going to be in that seventh or eighth inning. So – are we going to, how much do we have to discount not having the saves if you got a guy who's been a dominant late setup man? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's certainly something that we can talk about on another day and go way into do, should, should managers be chasing win stats still? Does it matter to pitchers? Do do a closers only want to come in in the ninth inning? Uh, I've done actually quite a bit of uh, research and reading on that kind of stuff. So we can certainly get into that uh, another day. But uh, we have run 
quite long on this episode oh. here, approaching the hour and a half point. But uh, would like to thank you. Thank you for anyone who's still here. Yeah, thank you for anyone who's still here. Thank you for for listening. Anyone who made who made it through my MVP filibuster. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the MLB Daily Podcast. Uh, be sure to check us out on Twitter for our daily trivia game to win some merch at the end of the year. If you do well, we are, at, we are coming back from our two day week break. Perfect. Uh, well, you can, you can find it at MLB daily pod on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Karam and LJ is at LJ underscore VP underscore Lafayette. All right. That's going to do it. Thank you for listening. Uh, we will see you tomorrow. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Winner.